welcome to Advisor Talk with Frank LaRosa. Brought to you by Elite Consulting Partners, it's the only podcast offering unfiltered guidance and direct advice for all things concerning financial advisors, RIAs, and the practitioners in the wealth management business. Learn more and subscribe today at EliteConsultingPartners.com slash podcast. And now, here's your host, Frank LaRosa. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Advisor Talk with Frank LaRosa. I am your host, Frank LaRosa, and I'm excited for today's episode. Uh, we're going to be talking about growing your business through planning and uh, small to mid-sized M&A activity. And um, I'm uh, get joined here today by two exciting guests. I think it's going to be very interesting. We're going to try to keep it to less than 45 minutes. Uh, something tells me we're going to fail at that one. Good luck. That's okay. <laughs> All right. Good luck. Sure. Uh, I got Russ Jones, which is sitting right next to me. So if you're new to the show and you're you're listening to us on Apple or iTunes. Uh, don't forget to check us out on our YouTube channel, which is Advisor Talk with Frank LaRosa. Uh, Russ Jones sitting here right next to me is the Executive Director of the Private Wealth Service Group at Lincoln Financial Advisors. And then uh, uh, Dan Prashada, <laughs> which is uh, drinking some coffee over here, um, is also, he's a former CPA, a financial advisor. Recovered, re- fully recovered. Fully recovered, right? And, uh, <laughs> and the CEO of a group called Equity Strategies Group that um, works with um, small to mid-sized companies, works mm-hmm. with advisors, and helping through uh, M&A transactions. Yep. And that's something that I'm really passionate about, um, that if I was an advisor in today's world, mm-hmm. uh, this is something I'd be focused on. So I, I was happy to be at an event um, a couple of months, maybe a month or two ago at, at Lincoln, across the river, and um, I was introduced to Russ. Uh, Dan, you weren't there, but I was introduced yeah. to Russ, and I'm like, man, I didn't know that Lincoln has these, these types of services because this is a huge way to gather assets. And if you're a financial mm-hmm. advisor, mm-hmm. one of the things that you should lose sleep over every night is how are you going to find mm-hmm. new clients mm-hmm. and bring in new assets, right? And the days of seminars um, you know, are, are challenging mm-hmm. and all that. So there's got to be better ways to do that. And I know that um, there are a lot of clients out there, a lot of investors that have, like, I'll say like, like myself, but small business owners where most of their wealth is tied up in their companies. Right. Right. Absolutely. And so eventually there's going to be some type of transaction. And why shouldn't it be you as a financial advisor that gets involved in that? Mm -hmm. Uh, But the challenge is, and I think this is what we're going to talk about a little bit today, is um, some financial advisors or many financial advisors are at firms that really can't dip their toe in this water Mm -hmm. uh, the way they could if they were at Lincoln. So um, today's really conversation is, is thinking about this type of activity to to bring big assets in, um, and then also why Lincoln is the, is a potentially right firm. If you're thinking about making a move as an advisor, why you should be considering Lincoln for some of the capabilities that you probably are really not aware of that Lincoln has. So, mm-hmm. with, with that said, I know that's a really really long introduction, <laughs> uh, but but I love this topic. So uh, we're definitely gonna have a hard time saying this in five minutes. <laughs> that's okay. It's gonna be chock full of great nuggets and really business development stuff. So if you're if you're an advisor and you listen to this, you probably need to, if you're in the car, pull over because um, you're going to need to take notes because uh, this, this episode is really going to add some serious dollars to your business. So, uh, so Russ, why don't we just start with you and sure. just introduce yourself. Um, you're, again, as a director at Lincoln, how long have you been there? What is your primary role there? And then, then we'll have Dan introduce himself um, and talking about the books that you wrote and all that great stuff. So, okay. so give or take 40 years, most of it in management. <laughs> I do have my own practice, probably 30 clients tend to be in that 
$50 million and above net worth range. So we charge fees, we do comprehensive holistic planning, and the group that I head up, the Private Well Services Group, does the same thing. There's about 200 advisors within Lincoln that focus on that high net worth market. They tend to have the highest GDC, call it roughly beginning at a million dollars and above. And what we do at the Private Wealth Group is provide them the back office support in order to acquire that new client, that new 25, 50, 100 million, whatever dollar client. That's our job, is to get people like Dan mm -hmm. prepped to show the difference between what we do and what they've had done. And it doesn't matter whether you're in the bank channel, the wirehouse channel, the independent channel, there's nobody providing that kind of support to those kinds of advisors. So when we say that we're different, we're really this best kept secret in the industry. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Very few people understand the difference between an engagement proposal that looks like a four color glossy brochure and one that engages a high net worth individual and shows them the difference between what they have and what they could have. So that's really my role and the team that I head up at Lincoln is to support guys like mm -hmm. Dan, mm -hmm. go into that market and, and securing new clients. That's the, that's the million dollar like, bogey, if you will, sure. mm -hmm. in the industry. How do I sit in front of somebody and show them that I'm different real-time first meeting right and that's what we now, do with now you made like a comment that. I'm gonna ask you this because before because I know that half the audience is, is uh, keyed in on this thing yeah you said we charge fees for planning yeah mm -hmm. um, that's something that everybody talks about. They want to <laughs> not so, just an AUM yeah, percentage. Right, right. Everyone dreams a, of that, a, right? And I think that's where the industry is starting to yeah. go. RIAs are doing that oh, more. Gosh. Give me an example. We've been the there since we've been there as a firm since the early so, eighties. Right. Here's, here's what kind the, of fees are you charging? Like so, two grand? Yeah. No. 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 <laughs> nothing no, else. No. So here, here's the deal. It's not what you know, it's what you do with what you know. Right? It's not that people can charge mm -hmm. fees. It's do you know how to go out and charge fees? So you have to show somebody the value or you would be crazy to charge them a fee. Hey, we charge five grand. Okay, well, I don't see any value. Why would I hire you? If on the other hand, I see the value, you can charge whatever that fee is. Here's our scripted, and, and if I asked mm -hmm. Dan to do this, he would do it virtually mm -hmm. the same. We charge 10 to 20 basis points of a person's net worth, exclusive of their insurance. If you're worth 10 million bucks, it's 10 to $20,000. So the script would be, Based on the discussion that we've had, you're more complex or less complex, it's going to be closer to the 10 or it's going to be closer to the 20. The highest fee that I've charged, I think our firm has charged higher, but $125,000 to do the plan. Wow. This is not AUM yeah. fee. Yeah. Yeah. This is to do the estate, business, right. investment planning, the philanthropic, multi-generational, that entire comprehensive plan stuff mm -hmm. that everybody talks about, but almost nobody does is what we do. That's why we're the best kept secret. All right. I'd say the minimum fees for most advisors, they set the minimum somewhere around ten or twenty thousand dollars. If if it's and in that high net worth if market. it's in the high net worth market. And part of the confidence to charge those kinds and, and the fees easily get up to fifty. I'm working on one now where I had to keep it under hundred. It's ninety nine five. <laughs> but this is going to be and it and, and the fee uh, sometimes we phase it. We do the engagement in stages. Right. But average fees I'm finding these days my minimum is twenty five thousand. Yeah. 
on my you know actual engagements and they go up from 25 to 50 but guys are charging six figure fees it's not only knowing what to say how to say it and, it, and having the confidence it's also knowing that there's the horsepower behind the scenes to get the work done right. and as an advisor you know, I can say to a client, we've reviewed more wills, trust, tax returns, buy-sell agreements, split-dollar agreements than probably all the law firms and accounting firms in the tri-state area. And, and we've got a lot of these folks in-house in Russ's planning department that I know as an advisor, yeah, can I read a will and trust? Yes. Can I read a buy-sell? Yes. Probably better than most people, but it's not always the best use of my time. So when I pick those documents up at the beginning of an engagement, yes, I'm gonna I'm gonna give them a once over so I can just kind of gauge, okay, what's here, Some what's not. Idea. And then I send it up to the planning department. These guys are gonna dissect it, flow chart it, summarize it, find all of the holes. And then now I'm like, oh great, I am loaded for bear for the next meeting with that client. That's right. That's right. And then moreover, helping us with the modeling, the design, you know, the recommendations. I don't feel as though I'm out in the field alone. I know I have a team behind me. Yeah, I think that's supporting. I think, and I think that is, it's what you're saying. Sort of like <laughs> you have the support behind it. That's where I think a lot of advisors mm -hmm. not fail, but uh, don't want to start because right. they don't have the confidence that if right. the God forbid the client says yeah. yes. Right. <laughs> then they go, what do I do? You oh, got to no. deliver, do I do? and I don't want to go into a black plate. hole and spend right. nine months on one plan. That's not being a good right. business person. So you got to juggle all these engagements and give every client the utmost attention that they deserve, and you have to leverage yourself by using our planning team, and right. that's how we leverage our time. So, so Dan, you, um, so tell us a little about your background. You, sure. you wrote four books. I wrote four uh, books, right? yes. Uh, so maybe a little bit about those books that are specific to this area, <laughs> so you don't, you, yeah, like you're actually living, breathing this. You're a funny. You're an advisor. You're in the trenches. I am an advisor. These conversations. Yes. And then you're also working with advisors to help them have those conversations. That's so right. Just give us a little bit of your background. Sure. So I started. Actually, I started uh, my career with Pricewaterhouse, and then came into the financial services world 35 years ago. And when I came in, I w I didn't go into sales directly. I was in various staff roles, management, and ultimately became the managing director for the far office, four offices in the New York, New Jersey metro region. And then uh, woke up one day and said, you know what, this was a terrific ride. I've learned a lot. I enjoyed being in leadership. But my real passion is working with clients. Moreover, when I look at the landscape and I say, okay, I can choose to work with professionals, doctors, dentists, lawyers. I can choose to work with corporate executives, or I can choose to work with the business owner market. I immediately gravitated towards the business owner market. That's where most of this nation's wealth is. They are tend to be very decisive people. If you can show them a problem, show them how to fix it, they tend to act on it. I just enjoy working with business owners. And they need this help sorely. They're not getting it in English from their other advisors. So I targeted the business owner market, and this was about 20 years ago. And what I found when I went out and started prospecting and, and meeting with clients, they would say to me, hey, Dan, you're talking about all this family business succession. My kids don't want it, or my kids are not up to the task, or, gee, I want a liquidity event. Can you help me? And the answer 20 years ago was a resounding no. We didn't do investment banking. We didn't do mergers and acquisitions at Lincoln. So I kind of hatched the idea, went to Lincoln Senior Management, had a number of meetings over the course of a year with the broker dealer, compliance, legal. And finally, Lincoln said, you know what, Dan, we're going to allow you to do this for your clients. I said, terrific. 
and started a firm, my firm, kind of firm within a firm called Equity Strategies Group, where we help business owners and their financial advisors to design and then to implement the best exit strategy for them. And we'll come back to the implementation. That's how we've developed this national network of investment banks and M&A firms to actually execute transactions. But Lincoln then asked me, hey, Dan, when they saw I was, I was having some success with this, would you build out this platform and make it available to the entire country? So thousands of advisors within the Lincoln Financial Network. And I now have several partners. I have uh, Derek Ferrer on the West Coast. I have Member Steller in the Mid-Atlantic region. And we have our own team and all of the investment bankers we work with. So that's how it started. That's how it grew to where it is today, where we see a constant flow of opportunities coming from our advisory you know, field force where they have these clients that need the types of services that we offer. And so tell, tell us about the four books that you wrote. Uh, yeah, so uh, the first two books really was, uh, the title is Defend Your Wealth. And uh, I wrote it uh, when I was, you know, when I first started my practice, I was very active with Russ in private wealth services. I was on faculty, I was uh, you know, an advisor in the field, uh, attracted actually some joint work with other folks in private wealth. And Defend Your Wealth encapsulated everything that I've learned over the years with Lincoln Financial Advisors on how to do a high net worth planning engagement, including advanced estate planning and business succession. So I wrote Defend Your Wealth 1 in 2011. Laws changed, as they frequently do, so I wrote a second edition to it. Then in 2016, um, I wrote One Way Out, How to Grow, Protect, and Exit from Your Business, which is really a handbook, a how-to manual on how to work with that business owner. And it covers the entire gamut of business owner planning from you know, growth strategies to protection strategies, buy-sell agreements, things of that nature. And of course, I couldn't help myself, so I had to throw a chapter on estate planning as well, particularly for the business owner. Sure. And then most recently, uh, December of 2022, I wrote the long-awaited sequel called <laughs> One Way Out, The Case Studies. And what I did there, Frank, was I, I, I reflected on all of the transactions that ESG has done on behalf of our clients and our advisors. And I picked what I thought were the 17 coolest, most transferable, that had lessons that we can all learn from. Wow. And I took those case studies and each one became a chapter. So each chapter in the book is, okay, here's the client, here are their goals, here's the challenges, here's what the journey looked like to help them sell their business for maximum value, and then here's the results, you know, the life the client is now leading, and also all the implementation that the advisor was able to garner as a result of closing that transaction. Now, you're talking about tens of millions of dollars of AUM insurance opportunities, alternative investments, everything that flows from it. The advisor. Absolutely. You're taking a client who his biggest balance sheet item is his closely held business, which is highly illiquid. And now we're helping that, that client monetize it. So now you're taking, you know, 20 to 100 million plus, you know, less capital gains taxes and so forth that, that now needs to be put to work. Right. And that advisor what is, is perfectly you, positioned. What is in the market that you tend to do best in? Like, 10 to 100 size. in terms of the size of the yeah, deal, deal size. Yeah, you know, we, we, we're in what we call the lower middle market. So that's a, a business with an enterprise value of, call it, 15 million to infinity. I mean, we're literally working with a client now that's got almost a billion dollar business. But I'd say the sweet spot is 25 million to 100 million. 
Right. So we're below, you know, the, 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 the Wall Street firms. We're not running into Goldman Sachs. Right. You know, we're not running. No, no. You know, and we're not doing business. You know, and we're not doing mom and pop retail. So it's above that, but it's below. You know, the billion dollar, generally speaking, deals. And that's where I find find most financial advisors operate. That entrepreneurial business. The guy started up thirty or forty years ago. He's thinking about an exit. Hey, can you help me? You know, do this. So do you um, and. I don't know if this is a Russ question or you question. Do you find that that transaction and the maybe the relationship, the revenue the AUM starts with the M and A conversation, or does it start with the planning conversation and leads to an M and A conversation? Planning oriented. I ask that question because right yeah. now my audience is thinking, "Hey, this is awesome, <laughs> right? I want to do this, yeah. right?" But don't know where to start. It, it's a plan. It's not a transaction. That's exactly right. So all, almost all of the Lincoln advisors and the private wealth service advisors in particular start as a relationship on the comprehensive holistic planning that we charge a fee for. And that leads over time to a trusting relationship between that client and that advisor. Ultimately, it does come up. Everybody eventually is going to succeed that business. Mm. Either they drop dead and the, the, the business transfers, or their kids come into the business, or they're selling it, or there's whatever. So one way or another, that's going to come up. When it does come up, they have an outlet like a Dan Preciata and the Equity Strategies Group allows us to take advantage of that and bring a really valuable service to that business owner that they can't get because they don't trust anybody else. Everything else is a brand new relationship. Well, let's have Goldman, whoever have you know, yeah. whatever investment banking firm. Let's have them come in and we'll talk to you about what we think we can do for that business. Mm -hmm. They're going to know that client the way that a Dan Preciado or financial mm -hmm. advisor is going to know because of that five, ten, mm -hmm. twenty-year relationship they have. Right. So here's the statistics. Okay, what percentage of business owners are going to ultimately exit their business? hundred percent. Right. Right. Either vertically or horizontally. They're all going out, carried out on their sword. So this is something that I think is top of mind with every single business owner. As a firm, we are incredibly objective. If a client says, hey, my objective is I want to pass, it to pass the business to my kids, terrific, great planning engagement, tons of opportunities, okay? If they say, no, I want to sell to a third party, I want to sell to an ESOP, I want to sell to my management team, great, we have equity strategies group. 100%. And I tease my investment bankers sometimes because, you know, they're a hammer looking for a nail. Yeah, right. Right? <laughs> you know, if they do private equity recaps, guess what? They walk into a room. You need one, you need one, you need one, right? If they specialize in ESOPs, guess what? Everybody in the room is getting an ESOP. We are, I think, the only objective advisor in this space who can help a client regardless of which exit path they choose. And are they prepared? Right? So this is not just dollars and cents. This is as much, if not more, emotional right. Right. than it is about the dollars and cents. And the client and the advisor, and here's where that long-term advisory relationship comes into play. Here's where doing the planning in advance. Here's where thinking through maybe what does life post-exit look like? What is that owner going to do to be productive and fulfilled in the weeks and months and years ahead? Because if you don't do that, you can do an M&A deal and we're do all the work and write 
in yeah. the ninth hour, eleventh hour, the the client is what his life's going to look like. And that's he goes, right. I'll pass. So I, I've it's had that. <laughs> well, it's true. But better to know now than <laughs> then. Point. And that's why M and A deals. If beginning, that's why they beginning. blow up. That's why our closing when it, when a client starts down the path to sell their business. It, it's 80 or 90 percent, whereas across the industry, it's more like 20 percent. Why? Because they haven't done the planning. They haven't had the emotional intelligence to ask the right questions right. to understand. This is why when they, God forbid, they try to sell the business on their own without an investment banker. You know, now it's, you know, one in 100 chance the deal is going to close. If it does close, they're probably leaving millions of dollars on the table and paying a hell of a lot more income taxes than they should have. Right. Right. So what happens, Frank, is that a person, a business owner, right? I've been running this business 20, 30, now 40 years. I'm in this. I'm going to sell. And it's like. Who am I after I sell? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Forever in this town, everybody's known me. I That's started right. that business. I got 500 employees. Right. I'm so My employees are my fan my, base. My, my identity <laughs> yeah. is so tied up in it. And if you ignore that and just say, hey, we're going to get 40 million bucks for your business. And he's it's like, hollow. Okay, it doesn't really matter because right. I don't know who I am the next right. day. Right. My right. business card used to say who I was. Now I'm like a golfer. You know what right. I mean? Like, <laughs> and that gets old. Guy. Yeah. For these, for a lot of these yeah. entrepreneurs. So in that planning process, that's part of it. This kind of mm -hmm. emotional IQ about yeah. what is it that you're going to do now so that in five years when we bring in Equity Strategies Group, you're actually emotionally ready to sell, not just financially ready to sell. That's a difference thing that... And it might also else. change this... It might also change the type of M and A deal that you do because oh, they might no say, doubt. Like for me, like my wife says to me, "Well, you're never going to retire." Mm -hmm. I'm like, "Well, probably not," but I just want to work differently. Yeah, right. right. Like I want to, I want to go hunting in the afternoons. Right. right? Yeah. Work in the mornings, go hunting in the afternoons, yeah. or whatever. I'm not really, right. I'm not golf, but not really. Um, and that's a different kind of transaction versus because I think a lot of people think when they hear M and A, oh. It's a one and done, and, no. and you're out. No, but there's doesn't all sorts have to. Of and, and there's so many other variables to it. As an example, there are people that will take $10 million less in a deal if they're selling it to the right person right. because they know their employees are right. going to be taken care of the Absolutely. right way. Right. As opposed to an, a, a P and E firm that or a PE firm that comes in and goes, you know what? That's right. We can we can we can turn this business over in three years by cutting twenty percent of the staff mm -hmm. and doing this and that mm -hmm. and other little shortcuts that right. Make, right. make sense on a balance sheet. That's but right. To the guy that created it, he's like, that's a travesty. Right. Now, yeah. you're, you're desecrating something. I spent, down. I spent but, 40 years on this, and you're going you're gonna to trash it in three years. We, we helped clients through a situation recently where the family was, there was a lot of infighting, right? Mom and dad wanted to slow down and retire. The one son was in his 40s and was still charging ahead and wanted to grow the business. The other brother wanted to work one part of the business but not be involved in it, and they were at each other's throats. So we were brought in to kind of referee and figure out what to do. Fast forward, and I write about it in my book and in my newsletters, we wound up bringing in the perfect buyer. It was actually, believe it or not, an international family office that bought out the shareholders who desired to be bought out, who kept the people in, the son who wanted to run and open up new divisions, and fed capital into the business for that growth strategy. So it was the right answer Perfect for everybody. Buyer. And we've had instances where we had a case, it was a construction company. They wanted to sell, wanted to sell, went out into the market. Construction businesses are funny. You know, larger mm -hmm. construction businesses, and we have some M&A firms that we work with. By the way, I've, I have vetted about 125 firms over the years. And Lincoln also 
you know, we have an approval process. We have 20 firms that we've approved and put on our platform. And we have all of the right hold harmless agreements, confidentiality agreements to protect us and the advisor. Because if a deal ever, you know, we haven't never had a problem, but if, if there ever was an issue, we want to make sure everyone's protected. So Equity Strategies Group is not an outside business activity. It's not some rogue activity. This is a legitimate, you know, compliance approved uh, initiative within I Lincoln. A, I think that point is important if we can just talk mm -hmm. about that for a second, because um, part of growing a business, right, uh, is also there's, the other part of that is protecting your business. Mm -hmm. And we were talking yeah. before the show started mm -hmm. about some of the mistakes that advisors make when they they yeah. trip over an opportunity, but they know they can't do it. So they refer it out to somebody that they know, you know, bowling buddy or golfing buddy, yeah. you know, they're not going to get paid a fee. Yeah. Maybe they are going to get paid a fee, but it's going to be sort of like backdoor. That's a serious issue. And so uh, talk FINRA, about FINRA has a lot to say. I mean, I don't like to be the, you know, the compliance heavy. I, I'd rather lead with our value add, which is significant. But FINRA and your broker dealer have a lot to say in terms of if you're selling a company, it could be deemed as a private securities transaction or it could be deemed selling away. So there are a lot of, you know, minefields in terms of, of doing this and whether you receive a finder's fee or not. We do uh, right. pay a finder's fee. So but I think know. my point to the audience yeah. really is if you're be careful, of, if, yeah, if you're be careful out there, be careful out there, yeah. right, right? Hill Street Blues, be careful out there. <laughs> uh, well, yeah, I think our audience, <laughs> they're, they're mature enough. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We all are. We all are. <laughs> uh, but it's really important that if that happens and you stumble across a client that's going to do a transaction, you don't feel confident. You're at a firm that you can't get involved with. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, your point was tell that client to talk to their CPA and their CPA should be able to refer them to, if you refer them to, a, yeah. to an, uh, an investment banking firm and you're not getting paid anything and it goes south for some so reason. You still be liable. You still be liable. So unless, be right, unless you have a structure, yeah. a platform and all the appropriate paperwork and, you know, and, and there's, there's a client profile, there's disclosure, you know, all oh, this is done right. above board. So how do you, um, so, so I'm a financial advisor, I love this, I'm listening to the show, and I'm like, yes, sign me up for this, right? You, you must start working yeah. with um, advisors for on their first transaction, mm -hmm. right? They call you up, mm -hmm. and it's the, as you said, I got a guy. I got a guy. Right, how does, that, <laughs> how does that go, and how do you coach them to have that conversation? Maybe it's, mm -hmm. you know, maybe it started with planning, maybe they've done something, right. but somewhere there's, there's this question where the light bulb has gone off right. and they realize there's some opportunity here. Right. 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 Uh, in, in our local marketplace, I won't use any of the firm, mm -hmm. um, um, mm -hmm. but I just heard just recently, someone did a, a transaction with a, uh, it was like a farmer's market, like a farmer's market, right? Yeah. The business sold for $75 million. Mm-hmm some kind of farmer's market. Um, <laughs> so, and the commission was like, the commission to the advisor was close to $400,000, mm -hmm. right? But the advisor had a relationship with that client, right? But at some point, the advisor had to have an opening conversation. Right. So what do you say when, when the advisor calls you and says, I got a guy, mm -hmm. I don't know where to start, right? right? So, what do you say? How do so, you coach these advisors? Yeah, so a lot of, you know, the, the, the I got a guy, you know, the, I get a lot of calls from advisors and, you know, I got a guy who wants to sell his business or raise capital or they think an ESOP might be a good thing. You know, can you help? And the answer is, well, great. Let's get some more data, 
right? So if the advisor has some financial statements and some background on the client, terrific. If not, what I'll recommend is let's do a, let's do a Zoom meeting. You know, me, you, and your client, always with the advisor. You know, if, if, if an advisor says, hey, Dan, here's, you know, call this guy. Sorry, Frank. No, no, you're the relationship. This is your client. I'm an invited guest. I'm here to help. So we'll do a Zoom. And in that initial Zoom, I will ask 30, 35 questions. It sounds conversational. It doesn't sound like an interrogation, but I'm taking data right. and I'm taking copious notes. And I want to gauge a lot of things. You know, what is their goal? What is their timing? What exit paths have they tried? And, you know, oh, do you have children? Yeah. How old are your kids? Oh, 35 and 40. Are they interested in the business? Like, I want to know all this stuff. And then I'm going to start asking about, you know, products and services, competition, obviously getting into the financial aspect and trying to figure out their EBITDA and their ad backs and, you know, what would life look like? So we'll have that whole conversation at the end. You know, I'll request financial statements that, that they'll be more comfortable. And then what we do is we put together what we call a marketability assessment. And it's kind of like a business valuation, only better meaning it looks at that business through the lens of an investment banker and through the lens of a prospective buyer, as opposed to, you know, there's a lot of these business valuation calculators and templates, you know, business valuation in a box or whatever, yeah. which is based on historical, you know, looking in the so real view. Like a pitch book? A pitch book is when uh, uh, an investment banker is trying to get hired. So it's not a pitch book. It is, you know, 10, 12, 16 pages long. And a lot of it is talking about the industry, the valuation metrics in that industry. You know, if I hear one more time, you know, my business is worth, you know, X times EBITDA, that is such an oversimplification and it's, it's dangerous, right? There's so many other qualitative factors, right? Why did two businesses with the same EBITDA, one sold for 25, one sold for 50? But they had the same exact same EBITDA. What, why did one sell for twice as much as the other. So right. we want to get into what are those premiums? How do we get your client that premium that deser they deserve? So anyway, the marketability assessment is one of the deliverables. You might talk about the cost of that too. I, I, I was just going to say. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there should be a cost of that. Well, it's really your, the, uh, what, we're putting hours into it. Right. You know, but this the other is thing not, is, but then, which I don't know if the audience just picked up on because I picked up on it. This topic that we're talking about mm -hmm. doesn't have to be oh, the client wants to sell at the end of the year. It's right. a conversation you should be having with your client whenever they're ready. they even think about they could be selling. Because five years away from selling. Right, but they, they got to position themselves. Right, doing, the business, doing the business valuation mm -hmm. and having the, the owner understand, and I, yes. I've done this myself, right? Having owner risk, yeah. right? Spreading out over, like having the owner understand you need to do these things that's Spread right. your risk out. Do this, do that. That's going to increase the value of your business. Absolutely. Over the next five years, it's giving them a roadmap to better valuation. Yeah, that's which right. you're providing value, so Absolutely. you should get charged. You should well, be able to get paid on that. So as not to create any barrier to entry, okay, we could very easily charge $8,000, $12,000 to prepare this marketability assessment. Sure. We do it on a complimentary basis. Com right. Did I say free? Complimentary. So we don't charge the client. We don't charge the advisor because... We want to be invited to the party, sure. right? We want a table, a seat at the table. So we'll we'll prepare it and we'll come back and we don't blow smoke. We don't come back and say, oh, you know, your baby's beautiful and you're going to sell it for 150 million. In fact, we tend to be conservative. So I'll give you a quick example. We just closed a transaction in July. Russ was very instrumental in this case. And we did all the planning around it. Frankly, I didn't even think it was going to be an equity strategy opportunity because 
the owner had tried to sell with another investment banker four years ago and failed. And he kind of had his tail between his legs a little bit. So we came in and did all the other planning around it, the cash flow, the retirement analysis, the estate planning, they needed all that work. And then we circled back to the business succession. You know, what do you want? Why did it fail? (laughs) Because the, I think, the investment banker who he hired was a generalist. He okay. was not a specialist yeah, in that industry, industry niche. Yeah, yeah, right. Space. You know, last week he sold the farmer's market, you know, then he sold a medical practice and now he's selling, you know, a business automation business, yeah. right? So he didn't have any areas of specialty. And that's how the conversation shifted because I have investment bankers. Why do I have 20 firms? And many of those firms have 10 or 12 different practice silos. So we have specialists in almost every industry. One of my investment banking guys, I heard him on a podcast being interviewed by like our client's industry oh. as the expert. All oh, right. So I forwarded that interview to the client. He was blown away. I said, I can put together a meeting. He's one of our approved guys. So we drove up. It was Connecticut. It was close by. We drove. We spent a whole day. The owner and his management team were blown away by the depth of knowledge and the tombstones, in other words, other deals he's yeah, closed yeah. in that industry. Yeah, like, oh, I know that. Firm. Yeah, oh, the name drop. I'm just yeah, sitting back. I'm sitting firm. back yeah. laughing at the name dropping. And, you know, uh, long story short, uh, he, we, he winds up retaining our investment banker. Um, when he went to market four years ago, his expectation was $18 million. We did a marketability assessment. Now, granted, the business grew a bit. And we came back with a conservative range of 23 to $27 million. Wound up closing six months later, which is record time in this world, yes. Okay, for almost $40 million. Wow. Most of it cash at closing. Because I would bet you the client said, if you can give me 25, I'd oh. never had a pig in shit. He was done. Right? He, he was done because he was in his late 60s. He was burnt. His father, who actually owned the majority, was in his 90s. Oh, jeez. Right. Yeah. Okay, so they were, they were done. Done, right. Check, please. And, you know, we got it done. And, you know, uh, there was a very handsome finder's fee, uh, back to what you're saying before. So the investment banker earned their fee. You know, and every deal is different. But, you know, the investment banker might get 3%, 4%. Usually it's a small percentage up to a certain benchmark that we all agree is a layup. And then there's a bonus structure. Hey, if they hit the ball out of the park, they're right. going to get more. Okay. Right. And the client's fine writing a bigger check because he's keeping 95, 96% of yes. that overage. Of a number that he, knock your, he would even yeah, ever Knock get. yourself out. So he's like, here you go. Right, right. So on that deal, and the, invest- the advisor gets how much of that? Well, so the investment banker uh, earned. So uh, every, right now, my audience is thinking, okay, so how much would I make on that deal? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The investment yeah, banker made there. made a million five, and the Lincoln advisor got 10%. Wow. So 150 grand. GDC, you know, through the grid, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. see at the trip, see at the beach. Uh, so all the honors and recognition yeah. credits. But more importantly, I think, assets. is they got all the assets. Yeah, exactly. That you're going to charge 1% on So that, yes. Yeah, so and I had the AUM. Is, is Dan and the other. Well, Brandon and, you know, and also, so, you know, there were some, some things in there, you know, annuities and, and alternative the, that, investments. That, that's where, and, that's where I, I, and the, the referrals audience. and the goodwill. And right, now the accountant think, loves us. The, the attorney audience, loves us. For yeah. my audience. Mm-hmm. I think that um, M and A is spicy and sounds great. I used to talk about lead with lending when I was a when I was a director. Lead with lending. Go after high net worth clients because mm-hmm. they want lower interest rate products. Then go out, mm-hmm. but the but the end result isn't the product, isn't the loan, isn't yeah. It's great to get one hundred fifty thousand dollars on an M and A transaction. It's the thirty, forty, fifty, eighty, hundred million dollars sure. in assets that you get. 
that you can then put in a wrap or do other things yeah. with it, right? Yeah. And it's better off in your, you know, under your practice than somebody else's. Because if another banker comes in, you're never seeing that, uh, that, that business. Or maybe you get right. half of it or they'll give you a token 30% of it or something like that. If they sell that's, their that's, business... That's, if they sell their business and you're not part of that process, yeah. zero. it's the beauty pageant. Yeah. It's you and five other firms and everybody's yeah. coming in with their, you know, their pitch. Yeah. But if, if you if you lead the client on that journey and you're sitting in the seat next to them on that roller coaster ride, and there will be ups and downs. Yeah. Okay. As I say, every good deal craters at least three times, right? <laughs> So, and, and who are they going to reach out to when a deal hits a roadblock? They're going to reach out to their financial advisor right. for some help. Right. And then when offers come in, who's going to help them evaluate it? And then there's all the tax planning. And then Russ, they're going to say, well, how does this fit into my cash flow? How does this fit into my estate plan? Hey, before we even do this, should I take some of the company's stock? What, 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 you maybe know. I should give it to a charity. Maybe I should get some deductions for that. Because there you yeah, Because <laughs> having a business that's... Having a business that's worth $50 million, mm -hmm. right? It's different than actually having $50 million. Oh, hell yeah. Right? <laughs> right? Because right? Yeah. it may be worth $50 million, but he's making, you know, a million bucks a year or whatever, right? Which is a different... He feels poor. He feels poor, right? All of a sudden, he's sitting on $50 million, and which is real dollars. They don't know what to do with that wealth. I've had clients right. say, what am I going to do with all this money? Right. Well, right. you know what? There's some some of my partners at Lincoln Financial can help you <laughs> right. figure out. But they honestly don't. They never people, had liquidity. People can come out of the woodwork. They can start they not being smart with their spending. Oh, There's we've seen that. that. They can make mistakes with yeah. uh, all the time. So we've seen talk but, about. But hear, hear how Dan started that whole talk about that business of selling for $40 million. It was that. He and Chris, the partner on that mm -hmm. case that I helped introduce them to, mm -hmm. <clears throat> did all the comprehensive planning. They right. went in and charged a fee. They showed the gap between what they have and what they could have in all these other areas, none of which was you're going to sell your business. Got it. That, right. wasn't, that wasn't top of mind for the client. wasn't top of mind for them as advisors. And they went out and did a great comprehensive holistic plan. Right. That starts winding down, and they're like, by the way, maybe we're interested in selling the business. Oh, right. whole new discussion. Now there's a whole new well, track that we're going on. As right? a manager in the dugout, if I sent someone up to bat and they struck out three times in a row, might I think about putting a pinch hitter in, right? Yeah, right. So if the other investment banker swung and missed, is that in my client's best? And he's a loyal guy. Yeah. Oh, you know, he still checks in with me every six months or a year, but is, it didn't work the first time. Yeah. Is it, you know... And we had to tell the story differently. But what I wanted to come back to, Russ, and I know you could address this better than anybody, is every one of our clients, when we meet them, say, hey, I got the best lawyer in town. I have the best CPA firm in town. What do I need you for? Yeah. So I mean, that, that yeah. question, mm -hmm. in the high net worth market in particular, you tell me somebody that's 60 years old that doesn't have an accountant, an attorney, and documents, mm -hmm. and yeah. everything mm -hmm. all the time. So how do you get hired in that market? Yeah. Well, you, you, you get, uh, to Dan's point, you get the information on that person, mm -hmm. and then you show them what they don't know. So I'll debrief their document, or mm -hmm. our team will debrief their documents. Wills, trusts, buy-sell agreements, their investment statements, their insurance policies. We'll debrief all that. There's no charge. Now we're coming back out showing you, hey, did you know that your document leaves your assets in an unprotected way to your kids? And you're going to go, what are you talking about? Right. And I'm going to say, you're 50 million, two kids, 25 million each. Five years later, one of them gets divorced. You're now ex-son or daughter-in-law gets 12 and a half million. 
when you put the agreement together, that document, is that what you intended to have exposed to risk? <laughs> and you're going to go, I had no idea. Right. I'm going to say, look, I'm not saying we're working together, but if we did, is that something you want to make sure we address? Mm -hmm. If you're loaded as an advisor to go out and have that kind of conversation in four or five different planning areas with a high net worth individual, they're going to sit there and go, no wonder Dan said we, sh we should sit down together. I've never seen anything like that. Right. It's specific to me. It's my dollars. It's my documents. Mm -hmm. You're disturbing me on all these things. I get it. I need to get them fixed. How much did you say it was going to cost for us to work together? Mm -hmm. I've shown you the so value. You, so if you've shown them that, so here, so if you've shown, if you've already done that, yeah. right? Mm -hmm. This is the question that my my audience is thinking about because that's what I'm thinking about. Mm -hmm. um, if you've shown them that document already, then then what are you charging them for? What are you charging so, them hundred grand for? All we're showing on that is the problems. Okay. And we're asking you, to, are they worthwhile to fix? And then that's- So that, you're not saying, to, here's your problem, and here's the thing, here's what you need to do. And not yet, so right. well, I don't know enough about you yet. That's malpractice, got right? Got I just, I, I There's got a, a process. sketch of your situation. Yeah. I'm gonna tell you, here's what you need We're, to we're gonna spend Give $10 million time. to a private foundation. Move the, it's like, I don't, I don't know what, you, what even matters to you. Yet. Here's some blind spots that we're mm -hmm. seeing that you need to address. Yes, and we right. think that there's room here, there's reason enough here for us to work together. What do you think? Right. And I just yeah. showed you in an hour and a half what right. those 10 and then, and then when you're doing the planning component of it, and if they're a small business owner, eventually the conversation is going to come up with yeah. what's your exit what's strategy? Your exit strategy? What's your and again, whatever it is, nothing right we now, can help right? you. Right? Yeah. Or it might be that I've got a buy-sell agreement with my business partner, and, mm -hmm. and we go, wait a second. It says it's book value, and it's <laughs> right. based on 1999's book value. And, the, and your C corporation is redeeming the stock, so there's no step up in basis. Right. So your partner's gone, you redeem it, you have his whole basis. You say, you know, it's no fun anymore with, without Fred around. I'm going to sell, you're going to get crushed in capital gains taxes. Yeah. No one's having these conversations with them. Right. You know? Nobody uh, even has the knowledge, much less knowing what they're going to say and how they're going to communicate. It. So you've been That's really what our team does. Right. right. So let me then I'm going to take it back another step. Right. Yeah. I'm an advisor. Yeah. I've identified a prospect, someone mm -hmm. that I've been playing golf with, whatever, every Saturday, right? <laughs> yeah. who I know has got money. Right. right. How do I start that conversation. Well, that goes to the approach. I have a team. Right. Right. Because mm -hmm. I know that's your specialty. Yeah, that's the so approach talk. Our entire firm, when Dan's talking about approach talk. Mm -hmm. Hell, by the way, I you're agree. writing this down if you're in <laughs> I, break it, I, break, I break it into three things. We're going to recite right? the approach how, talk. How are you sourcing somebody in your aspirational market? That's to your question right there. I got a guy I golf with. Okay, that's one way of sourcing. Right. But right. how do you source the next five clients you're going to get right. in your aspirational market Introductions. with a filter. Yes. So that you're not just anybody that comes to you, you start working with. Right. How do you protect your own time? Right. So sourcing, how do I source somebody? If I'm in front of the right guy, what's my story? Mm -hmm. Right. I golf with you. Hey, Frank, can we sit down and have a little discussion? And you're like, sure. And I'm like, I don't really know what I'm going to say. I'm going to I'm with a Fortune 500. Here's our pie chart. It's better than their pie chart. Our analysts are better than your analysts. Do you want to work together? That's not going to move the needle. I'm just going to yeah, smile. Right. Yeah. It's yeah. like those are all just table stakes. Yeah. Right. So how do, what's my story, which mm -hmm. everybody in our firm has a story mm -hmm. that's fundamentally the same. Right? Mm -hmm. When I said 10 to 20 basis points of a person's net worth, net worth exclusive of their life insurance is how we discuss the fee. 
If you ask Dan to talk about it, he's going to say the same thing. Right. If you ask any of those 200 advisors in private well services, what charge? What do you charge for a fee? They're going to say that same thing. So the second is, <clears throat> one, how do I source somebody? Two, what's my story? How does that differ? And it has the preamble, the time. areas of planning, right. the upfront contract. You're, you're hitting on so, the how I get paid, but there's so many other pieces <clears throat> to so that talk. First time that I'm with somebody, right? Mike, first off, Dan, thanks for introducing me to Frank, right? Frank, appreciate you taking my call and us sitting down together. A couple of things I want you to know before we take another step. One, everything we're going to talk about is confidential. Mm -hmm. If it leaves this room, it's going to be because you asked me to speak to somebody on your behalf. This is what mm -hmm. everybody, all those 200, are going to say virtually those same words, okay. right. right? Second, my assumption is this. You've been provided with many of the ingredients for a financial plan. Wills, trusts, banks, accounting, tax advice, investment advice. Is that the position you find yourself in? 100% yeah. of the people in our market they are going to yeah. say yes. Yeah. I'm going to say, great. Got it that all puts done. you in the same position as all of the people that I talk about. Mm -hmm. We're going to spend the rest of our time together helping you understand why 9 out of 10 people I talked to said, let's get together again. Mm -hmm. So that's that preamble that Dan's mm -hmm. talking about. That's the introduction to the story that we tell. The rest of that story is me getting information from you about your business, how it's structured, how many owners are there, what's the value on it, what about your real estate holdings, what about your investments, qualified and non-qualified. Mm -hmm. First meeting we've ever had together. You're going to tell me that information because Dan's reputation with you is trust me. Right. I'll get all those dollars and cents in that meeting, and in that meeting I'm mm -hmm. going to point out to you mm -hmm. the shortcomings of the planning that you've done or not done. And this is without seeing document one. This is just based on a verbal discussion and that initial right. approach talk. You'd be surprised how forthcoming people are. Sure. Very. You think they're going to be very close to the vest. Most, the, the, the preponderance of people, once they realize you're a player, they're going to start giving you sure. information. The, the biggest challenge is they don't know how things work. That's right. right. For a fleeting moment when they were in the lawyer's office, they kind of sort of remember how their will with generation skipping provisions, how their buy sell Once they got out to the car and they went, they went to lunch, they forgot 99%. Right. So back to your question. You're out there, you're, you're, you're golfing with somebody. What do I say? That you, if you were the advisor, would be coming to me and we would be prepping you for that discussion. Right. What Dan's calling it an approach talk, which is our initial meeting with a client. What do we want to do? How do we want to ask them? What information do we need? Once we have that information, we're going to disturb that person about what they have and what they could have. Mm -hmm. that, that's how we differentiate ourselves. Next, Dan just said it. We don't have the documents. So we have that first meeting, you're disturbed about a few things. I say, let's get back together in two or three weeks. Here's what I need to make that meeting valuable. Right. I need your will and trust. I need your investment statements. I need your business tax returns. That's the I goal of business. the first meeting what? is to get a second meeting and get agreement on the documents. And then is that what you charge them? So, no, not, not yet. yet. So we got to do a proposal. Now we're going to take, take all that information in. We, we have 50 people that support our advisors in the uh, roughly our national planning department. That's right. It's called MPI National Planning Institute now. So <clears throat> that group is going to analyze those documents, not just give you back something. You're mm -hmm. like, hey, here's your will and trust. Here's what it does. Here's what it says. Mm -hmm. How do you use that information to convince right. you that you need to hire us? Right. So that's an engagement proposal. 
Most mm -hmm. firms' engagement proposal will say, I'm with XYZ Company. You've heard our name for 100 years. <laughs> Here's, we have Here's why assets. you should work yeah. for us. Here's a four-color brochure. Yeah. You'll love working right. with us. We've got great analysts. Yeah. Ours is nothing like that. That doesn't work in the high it, network marketplace. It's got to be specific. So now I'm specific and I'm using your details and showing you the consequence for this is $250 million. The consequence for right. this is $250 million. Right. If you don't quantify, fix this, you're going to disinherit your kids. If you don't do this, your business is going to sell for half of what it's worth. Mm -hmm. And then they're basically going, which is what I would say is, Okay, so what's it going to cost me to you, for you to fix this? And I already told you at the first meeting, it's mm -hmm. going to be 10 to 20 basis points. Now I come back with the check. details. Here you exactly. Here's, that's right. And, and at that point, you get higher. And Which is why you like working with small business owners, because they don't mess They're around. decisive. And you yeah. almost yeah. never are not hired. You're almost always hired. You have that first meeting. You get that data. Mm -hmm. You have our team go through it. We prep it together. Mm -hmm. When I say prep it, we're role-playing everything that you're going to say as an mm -hmm. advisor. Right. And, and not because I'm the best there ever has been. You can hear Dan's got a lot of expertise in these areas. What if the advisor feels not confident enough? What if he, he says, well, I can, hey, listen, I can get the first meeting. Mm -hmm. I don't know if I feel confident enough yeah. to, like, and I can speak for myself. Well, yeah, yeah. An advisor, sure. I made, I made a mistake and mm -hmm. approached somebody very early on right. who had a lot of money. Right. Yes. And I... And I basically oh. said the wrong thing. Yes. You, you can call in the cavalry. Right. And then you're busted. And, yeah. and it's, it's game over. <laughs> right. and right. and the I facade. Was, and I was done after yeah. And yeah. you can never go back. Right. And I can never go back. And I blew it because I went too early yeah. Yeah. with yeah. not yeah. enough ammunition. Right. So, um, so if it. we're talking with somebody and we get to that point and there's kind of this joint discovery where you're like, you know, um, I appreciate all the help. By the way, that all was the my father-in-law, by the way. So, nah. oh, oh, yeah. Talk about can't yeah. go back. You might get a second after that. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, no. <laughs> but, but you get to that point where you're like, you know, I, this might be a little over my head. Right, I'm right. not really too comfortable. What I'm going to say to you is, look, we can prep all we want. Maybe on this particular case, in that particular market, maybe you want to consider bringing somebody like Dan in to work right. that case with you. Or any number of guys across the any country. We have a lot of highly trained right. people who right. specialize and live and breathe Depending in this market. Industry, so that's, where I, yeah. that's where I was going with that. And I know we're getting, mm -hmm. listen, we're gonna, we're gonna go over time. I don't really care because um, <laughs> this is gold. This is okay. great stuff here. Thanks for listening to Advisor Talk with Frank LaRosa. If you're looking for more advice or solutions on any topics in the financial services industry, or you just want to subscribe to our podcast, head on over to EliteConsultingPartners.com slash podcasts.